0: Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast for the international affairs, foreign policy, and global development community, and world news aficionados of all stripes. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. Enjoy the show. When COVID-19 forced countries to impose widespread lockdowns last year, there was a concurrent surge in gender-based violence and domestic abuse. The United Nations has called this a shadow pandemic in which lockdowns everywhere led to a sharp increase in gender-based violence. This includes Poland, where even before the pandemic, levels of gender-based violence were extremely high. During the first month of the lockdown in March 2020, the country's largest women's rights center received a 50% increase in calls to its emergency domestic abuse hotline. This COVID-induced spike in gender-based violence in Poland comes as the country is deep into a democratic backslide. The government of Poland is controlled by the ruling Law and Justice Party, which has eroded media freedom and eviscerated the independence of the judiciary, among other anti-democratic moves. The government is also reactionary in its worldview, including on issues related to gender. It has imposed a near-total ban on abortion and is seeking to withdraw from a key treaty to combat violence against women, known as the Istanbul Convention. My guest today, Annie Hilton, is an independent investigative journalist who has examined the increase in gender-based violence in Poland in the context of the country's vulnerability to atrocity crimes. Atrocity crimes is generally understood to encompass genocide, crimes against humanity, and war crimes. As she explains, there is research suggesting that the erosion of women's rights precedes atrocity crimes, and we discuss her reporting from Poland at length in this conversation. Today's episode is produced in partnership with the Stanley Center for Peace and Security, whose project Red Flags or Resilience examines COVID-19's impact on atrocity risks. The project uses journalism to explore the connections between the coronavirus pandemic and factors for risk and resilience to mass violence and atrocities around the world. You can view Annie Hilton's article on Poland and other works of journalism as they are published by visiting resilience.stanleycenter.org. Now here is my conversation with journalist Annie Hilton.
1: When I was talking to the Stanley Center about possible angles to pursue, I knew I wanted to look at gender. Last spring, as you and your listeners are, I'm sure, well aware, the UN warned that with lockdown measures and other restrictions, women and girls were trapped at home with their abusers, leading to what it called the shadow pandemic. So, you know, we had heard all this data about calls to helplines increasing up to fivefold in some countries, while in others there was a decrease because women were sheltered in place with their perpetrators. So I had been reporting on this phenomenon in France and Italy where lockdown restrictions were severe. But in the summer of 2020, I had read that Poland's government had taken steps to withdraw from a Europe-wide treaty on violence against women claiming that the treaty took an ideological view on gender Mm. that contradicted Poland's traditional family values. And the timing of that move seemed suspect, uh, if not worrying. And The more I sort of looked into the scholarship around COVID-19 and atrocity crime prevention, I learned that gender inequality is closely linked with conflict and atrocity crime. Ah. So, for instance, one institution I relied on is the Asia Pacific Center for the Responsibility to Protect. And they concluded that the greater the gender inequality, the higher the risk of atrocity crime, including gender-based crimes. And of particular concern, um, they noted was that throughout the pandemic, globally, is the drastic increase in domestic violence. And the deputy director of the center, Dr. Sarah Tate, I, I I believe is how you pronounce her name, um, had said that the risk of widespread and systematic sexual and gender based violence is significantly higher in states with weak or no laws relating to intimate partner violence. Hmm. So there was a convergence of factors that made me interested in understanding the context and risks in Poland.
0: So let's maybe drill down and discuss what we know about trends in gender-based violence and domestic violence in Poland since the pandemic.
1: Before the pandemic, the scale of domestic violence in Poland was rife. And to some degree, the extent of it has been downplayed by the ruling law and justice party so there was never really an extensive study until recently when a 2019 study commissioned by the government that was not made public was leaked to the press and it found that 63%, 63% of Polish women had experienced some form of domestic violence in their lives, which is which is huge. Um, and the study said that what connects perpetrators is that they enjoy a sense of impunity. And that only seemed to exacerbate during the pandemic. So in April 2020, the World Health Organization reported that domestic violence across Europe as a whole had increased by up to 60% compared with the previous year. And similar data came in from the largest women's rights center in Poland, known as CPK. Um, They had found that in March 2020, the calls received by their domestic violence hotline had gone up by 50%. Huh. which which is drastic, and in just a
0: single month, like the first month of the lockdown, a fifty yeah. percent increase in calls to this uh like you know domestic violence intervention center
1: exactly c b k yeah. wow, and the director of c b k, whose name is Ursula Novakowska, told me that they had witnessed or heard or based on the calls that they were receiving, um, that the violence both escalated in pre-existing contexts, and also began in relationships for the first time after the spring lockdown.
0: So, I mean, it sounds like just a, a almost like perfect storm. You have uh, a society with existing high levels of domestic violence combined with the pandemic. So these levels of violence have, have you know, shot up. I mean, has there been any meaningful response from the government to this sharp uptick in domestic violence?
1: So oh, that's something that advocates and women's rights groups and researchers said had been inadequate. And because of that, there have been some really creative, fascinating initiatives to help Polish women flee abuse by private citizens or organizations. Um so, for example, uh, Chrissia Pasco, a teenager um, and high school student whom I wrote about for um, this Stanley Center project and The Guardian, created a fictitious cosmetics page on Facebook. And she received help from a graphic designer to create this convincing page that was apparently selling natural cosmetics. But that, in reality, could be used as a type of front for women who were trapped at home to communicate that they needed help. And the existence of this page, you know, it spread through word of mouth and local women's groups, and the response has been enormous. Um, originally, uh, Pasco. Had been overwhelmed by the request she was receiving. She's a teenager. She, you know, she doesn't have professional training. And so she partnered with CPK, this women's rights organization. And they run the page around the clock. They have psychologists and volunteers and lawyers. And interventions have ranged, you know, from support to uh, you know, a police response. Um, so it, it's quite remarkable to see these creative means of, of, you know, civil society and private citizens stepping in to fill in the gaps. Yeah,
0: I mean, the reason I asked you the question about the government is because you know Poland is one of those countries that is in the midst of a democratic backslide. The ruling Law and Justice Party, as you noted earlier uh you know they have captured uh the the state in a way they've they've clamped down an independent media um the judiciary is no longer considered to be terribly independent and mm-hmm. earlier you know you mentioned that uh many see the pandemic as an opportunity that the government is using to clamp down. On women's rights, and it's like, you know, foundational to the law and justice party is this kind of reactionary worldview about gender roles. What suggests to you that the pandemic has been a pretext for the government to roll back gender rights?
1: That's a really good question. And this is something that I heard from, you know, local experts and women's rights groups. So as I mentioned, Last July, you know, there were these steps to withdraw from the Istanbul Convention and on the basis that the treaty was at odds with Poland's family values, so-called family values. And this idea that gender in itself is a controversial notion has Become increasingly mainstream. So, for this piece, I spoke with Carolina Pavloska, um, the director of this center called Ordo Uris, which is this ultra-conservative group that led efforts to replace the Istanbul Convention, this Violence Against Women Treaty, and according to her. As well as, you know, leading members of the government and the Catholic Church, the treaty adopts this leftist, radical, neo-Marxist ideology of gender being socially constructed, which I think many of us would just assume is, is the case. <laughs> um, so instead of, you know, violence against women being caused by pathologies like alcoholism and pornography etc the convention frames it as being rooted in the structure of society and poland having ratified this convention in the first place culminated from years and years of advocacy and its withdrawal at the moment or at least the steps that it took to withdraw during the summer of 2020, uh, according to women's rights advocates, would be a monumental loss. And so in addition to that move um, last October, as I'm sure you and your listeners at least heard about on the news, the constitutional court also issued a decision to impose a near total ban on abortion. And this ban sparked nationwide protests. Tens of thousands of people ended up on the streets, despite the tight restrictions in response to COVID-19. And something that I found striking is when I was speaking with um a local human rights expert called um whose name is Susanna Warso um her one of the theories that she had come up with for the timing of this decision this Consti- constitutional court decision is that the ruling party and other conservative groups hoped that people would not go into the streets in such large numbers for fear of the virus and that then if they did go into the streets, um, you know, they could be blamed for higher rates of infection. Um, so I guess I'm basing this idea that the timing of the pandemic has been used to further scale back women's rights and, and, um, legal protections from what people working in Poland and and on these issues have told me.
0: I mean, what you are describing just sounds like a very dangerous situation. You have increasing uh, instances of gender-based violence and domestic violence uh, coming from all sectors of society combined with a government that in the midst of this sharp increase in domestic and gender-based violence is taking steps to withdraw from a European treaty uh, criminalizing mm-hmm. gender-based violence, while at the same mm-hmm. time imposing further restrictions on abortion. I mean, this is like a, a witch's brew of things that are all leading to this increased risk of atrocity crime.
1: Yeah. And I think you know, importantly, there have been many civil society groups and organizations, both international and local, that have been calling attention to these issues. And uh, hopefully the fact that it's sort of getting attention and, and there's lots of awareness around it, um, you know, will prevent a further rollback.
0: I mean, to that end, you know, what can be done to mitigate this this sort of trend that seems to be going in the wrong direction right now in in Poland? And like using the frame of atrocity crime prevention, what can be done to reduce instances of of gender based violence in, in Poland right now?
1: I don't necessarily know that I'm the best placed person to comment on that as I I draw from the expertise of, you know, local journalists and advocates. Um, but, uh, you know, an open letter signed by dozens of groups in November 2020 said that the constitutional tribunal, which had, you know, issued this abortion ban decision is now being used To deprive women of their fundamental rights. This coalition of groups recommended that uh, Poland restore the independence and legitimacy of its judiciary and bolster existing rule of law safeguards. Um, and I think, you know, to that and just from my personal perspective, I, I find it hopeful that organizations like CPK and people like Crizia Pasco are fighting for women's rights and for women to have access to these services and it seems to me the solution lies not only in you know safeguarding these legal protections but also, investing resources in independent groups like CPK that fill in the gaps where the government fails.
0: Um, Going forward, are there any coming inflection points or other things that you'll be looking towards that will suggest to you how the situation in Poland might trend in the coming months and years?
1: That's a... That's a really good question and a really good opportunity for me to highlight the work of local journalists and groups who are continuing to follow this issue. I worked with a phenomenal documentary photographer and journalist named Cassia Streck, who lives between Paris and Warsaw and has long Covered women's issues in Poland. And I think I, you know, I rely a lot on that work um, to inform my own reporting. So I would say I'm going to continue, you know, to follow local journalists and the work that they're doing and also continuing to keep an eye on what's coming out of, um, you know, the, the, Judiciary, whether it's continuing to be used as a tool to further roll back women's rights um, so far, you know, as far as I can tell, that seems to because of the enormous response the abortion ban had on the streets. There hasn't really been any evolution, um, but. You know, given the worrying trends, I, I, that's something I, I would keep an eye on personally. And I will also continue to follow the work of CPK, um, that is raising the alarm about the undercovered, you know, underreported aspect of domestic violence and violence against women in Poland.
0: Well, Annie, thank you so much for your time and for your reporting.
1: Thank you so much, Mark. I really, really appreciate you having
0: me. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Annie Hilton. And again, please visit resilience.stanleycenter.org to view her article and other pieces of journalism published as part of this Red Flags or Resilience series. And stay tuned for future episodes as part of this series. We'll see you next time. Bye.